those who don't know me, I am Mr. Hantek. Hey, Brayden. Everyone say, hey, Brayden. Hey, Brayden. Brayden, your presence is known. So we're good. All right. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Mr. Hantak. I'm a teacher at the high school. Um, I know I say this every single time I speak at Hype or um, Webby Middle School or, Hype school, or High School. Uh, I am so fortunate and, and lucky that I'm able to do this um, and live in an area where um, really when, when I teach at the school, it, it sometimes feels like I teach at a private school. Um, the way I'm able to show my faith and be involved um, with things like FCA and also obviously in this church and this body. Uh, it's super fortunate. I feel really blessed to be able to do this and for you guys to give me my attention, not just because I'm a teacher or your future teacher, but because you know, I'm a fellow brother in Christ and um, I've done a certain amount of learning in the Bible and um, I definitely have something to say about the topic we got tonight. There's something, something really cool about the topic I'm talking about tonight and I'll reveal that at the end of the lecture or my, my talk today. Uh, what I want to start with is some of you guys immediately said it or s saw it when you came in the room. I, th I heard someone say it. What's this from? The movie. And do you know what this is in reference to? Like this specific scene? Huh? Holding your tongue, but in reference to the movie, Sai? Mm-hmm. So, so first off, Sai, could you, like, recite that whole movie, you think? Have you seen it enough? To, me too. I love that movie. That's, like, the quintessential Christmas movie to me. Now, so some context, once again. He said fudge in the movie, and then one thing led to another, and, well, here's his um, retribution. This one single photo just makes me laugh every time because, fortunately, I had never had to get my mouth washed out with soap. Have, you, have any of you guys? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hopefully you won't, hopefully you won't get... Soap poisoning or whatever. But, but to Isaac Lehman's point, middle school, back to Isaac Lehman's point. Isaac, what's the first thing you said? Hold your tongue. That's kind of what my, my message is about. Where we're at in James actually speaks about the tongue. And remember, this is all in, in, in regards to maturity. Um, if you want to turn to it now, we'll, we'll be in James 3, verses 1 through 12. But to give you a little bit more context or the overall theme again, uh, remember, the book of James is all about maturity. Um, and what we're going to be going through, or what we have gone through, is, okay, maturity in what way? How do we mature as, as a believer or as a Christian? And so far, here's what we talked about. We talked about maturity in our trials and temptations. We talked about maturity in how we love each other and not showing favoritism toward one group or just ourselves or whatever. Last week, we talked about maturity in our faith and how that should lead to deeds and that if you don't have deeds, but you say you have faith, there's kind of a dissonance there. There's something that doesn't make sense. But the thing in bold is what we're talking about maturity in today is maturity in what our words, uh, what our words are and what we say to others um, is, is the big overarching theme in, in James 3 specifically. And what's kind of actually cool about words, so I'm, I'm a science teacher, but I, I do find myself interested in language and how like grammar and all those things work. My brother's an English teacher, so... I can blame him for that a little bit. But as far as words go, we use language, we use vocabulary as a societal measure. Um, it's actually kind of cool. A, a correlation between intelligence is actually how expansive your vocabulary is. The number of words that a high schooler knows is, is in the tens of thousands versus the number of words a five-year-old knows. And, and, you know, no duh, your vocabulary expands and expands and expands as you get older. And this is actually a quote from my history teacher. He, he said it like this. The strongest correlation to intelligence is the knowledge of vocabulary. How expansive, how many words you know and their true meaning really is a way of measuring intelligence in a, in a way. Because think about this. Once you understand a word, you can now use it and make connections to the world or to other words. And from the teaching side of things, you know, this is why almost every single one of your classes has some vocab section in every single chapter because we're trying to expand your language. You're trying to expand your intelligence as far as the words you know. Um, another kind of funny thing I think about with words, too, is this. And think about maturity. Have you ever tried to hear a little kid describe a movie to a plot or a book? It's usually like this. So the guy, like, um, he was, uh, he was um, big 
and like um, he uh, he was going to the store and like uh, and I'm talking about like a little little kid here, maybe, maybe not so much you guys, unless you know it's a complex book or complex movie or the words escape you, but. Think about that. At, at a certain maturity level, it's hard for you to describe something, even though you saw it and read it maybe twice, maybe three times. It's just we don't have the language to fully explain it. Uh, another, another kind of funny thing with words, and maybe this has happened to you, where um, have you ever, like, learned a new word and, like, actually learned it, not just heard it, but know what it's about, and then, like, over the next week or two, you hear it about 1,000 times more? What word? Do you, does one come to mind? No. This, this has, Isaac, do you have one that comes to mind? What's the word? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, the one that... One doesn't come to mind for me, but I just remember going through school when, especially my English classes, when you learn a new word, and then it seems like over the next week or two, you just hear it so many times more outside of your classes, and well, now it's because you know about it, and you have the maturity for it. Now, going back to the first slide, this, our verses today are, ta- are talking about taming your tongue and controlling kind of what you say, but I want to make this clear. The focus of my talk today is not going to be, okay, what are bad words? It's not going to just be, let's list off every bad word here, or, or like, why is it good, why is it bad? Or it's not going to be talking about, like, what makes a word bad, like intention, context, or, you know, if you stub your toe and you say something bad. That's not what my talk is going to be on. Um, we're not just going to s- say, these words are okay, these words aren't. Um, and, and think about this. If you ever are considering, should I say something? Well, you right there questioning whether you should say it is probably evidence enough for you to not say it. Like, if you're flirting with a line or you think you are at a line of language, it's like, should I say that? There's your sign from the Lord. You probably shouldn't. So the actual text for today, uh, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It's also on the screen, but I'll be reading from my Bible for this. Huh? Oh, okay. (laughs) You said it really loud, so I thought you were like, um... No, Sai, it says ESV up there. All right, from the ESV, taming the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers. Well, that's really reassuring to me. Uh, My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we are, oh, excuse me, if we put bits into the mouths of horses, so that they obey us, excuse me, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts, in, it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, uh, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, or excuse me, from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. That's our scripture for what we're going through today. There's a lot of text to unpack uh, from here, and, and we'll do it kind of systematically throughout Uh, The first thing I kind of want to address, though, is the imagery uh, given here. So two key images brought in this text, trying to show you how small but how big and important the tongue is. And the first one they brought up was, uh, I believe, the example about the horse. There's a horse. And around it is is a bridle. So my question to you, just from, you know, what, what you know about horses and what you can see in the picture, 
you know, what per- if we were to weigh a horse with the, the saddle and the bridle on, you know, what percent of it is because of the bridle? 1%, less than 1%, I mean, har- minuscule, hardly anything, more than likely. But once again, if, you're in, if you have that bridle and it's in his mouth, you can e- easily, more or less, steer the animal. Okay, there's a ship, a big ship. The air is pointing to the rudder. The captain steers the rudder in a certain way, and that steers the whole ship. That gets pushed by the waves. And once again, if you think about percentage-wise, okay, the rudder's pretty big, but relative to whatever the ship is, in this case, something made of metal, um, <laughs> what percent of it is the rudder? And you're probably looking at one less than 1%. But once again, you can see it, it guides the whole vessel for it. Now, here's kind of my own analogy. And you know, being a science teacher, I definitely like to bring up things relevant to science. The masseter, this muscle. Why do you think I bring up this muscle? This is like your cheek muscle. Say so it doesn't necessarily have to do with size, necessarily. Clench down really hard. Don't hurt yourself, though. The force you are putting on your teeth is from that muscle. And that force is one of the greatest forces in your body. The masseter, that muscle is actually your strongest muscle in your body. Not your calves, not your biceps, your masseter. Which, it's part of, the, it's part of your cheek, so it, it is a muscle that helps you talk. But speaking about the tongue specifically, the tongue also is kind of like a muscle. Um, the way it's constrained is a little bit different, unlike that. But once again, we see something so small, but play a vital role in how we speak and how we kind of present ourselves. Um, for this. Or uh, I, I had this interesting idea. Does your tongue ever feel fatigued? Like you, you don't ever eat and think like, man, my tongue is tired, right? Or you don't ever talk and, and, and say that your tongue is tired. Yeah, your, your jaw might be a little tired, your master might be tired, but does your tongue ever tire? Huh? T- tire, not get cold, tire. Like my tongue is tired. You know, th- there's like no concept of fatigue from your tongue, especially those people who you know are the um, long-winded talkers, maybe the fast talkers out there as well. It's like, man, do they ever, hi Braden, uh, do they ever tire and your tongue really doesn't feel fatigued, which kind of makes it a little interesting as well. You know, and here's my connection to the text for it. You know, our tongue and our masseter and those muscles may be a small part of our body, but it supplies a huge use to us and it can steer our entire life in what we let come out of it. You know, think about this. Your simple answers of yes and no to whatever questions you may get in a day, that's telling people what you believe in. It's telling people what you like or dislike. Um, Or think about this. The things that people overhear from you, that's probably even more telling than what you're willing to say to whoever you're saying it to. And that's all coming from your mouth. That's all coming from your tongue. Or think think about this. If you were to be around a person for a full day and, and filled with conversation, actually talking to one another, you would likely figure out a number of things about them, either directly from what they tell you, like I enjoy dogs or I like sports or things like that. Or maybe more indirectly, by thinking about what sort of words are they using. You know, do they have an expansive vocabulary? Um, are they a preschooler and saying like and uh and very simple words? Or are they someone who's really educated and maybe older and maybe more mature and using those sort of w- words in their word choice? Or maybe they're maybe they're cursing, or, or maybe they're, they're saying things that would be offensive to you, but maybe they're part from a different uh, country or culture where those sort of things are okay. You can figure out a, a lot about a person just from listening to them and, and what their word choice is, and that's very, very powerful because, you know, we, we say not to judge. We say we, we shouldn't judge somebody, but it's so easy to do it, and I think we discern a lot from just from listening to somebody. Um, I do it with students all the time where if, they're, if I hear their language, what they're using to me, I can assess, do you know what I'm talking about or have you just been coasting by? It's, it's a very powerful thing, the words that you're choosing to have come out of your mouth. So, those small, our tongue has immense, immense power, but you know, how, t- how bad can our tongue be? How, how bad can our words actually be? And Well, let's, let's pick up the scripture again. I'm going to start in verse 5 and go to verse... I cut it, 10. So go back to, th- these is verses 5 through 10. 
So also the tongue is a member, yet it boasts in great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the, to- and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by man- mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people uh, who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. From quick read-through, I think we can agree, these are not so encouraging verses about our tongue. I know I'm not taking this out of context. I mean, I, I tried to put most of the scripture back up there, but... You know, think, think about the, the world today. You know, our, our world today, it, it's really interesting with language and speech and how our world has always been addressing speech and language all through the years. You know, what is okay to say and what is not okay to say. If you watch a movie back from like the 80s or 90s, the language in there, you'd be like, man, how could they get away with saying that? Where you watch a movie today and it's different and that'll be the same thing a decade from now where they're going to watch a movie from 2010 and be like, man, how'd they get away from saying that or talking about a topic like that because... That's just how things kind of change over time. Uh, you know, we also live in a world that's, that's really focusing on, um, there's a term called microaggressions. Basically, uh, you, you may think a word not, might not be bad to a, a person or people group, but it's offensive to them and it victimizes them. And it, it's funny to me how the world is kind of addressing this now, but here's my challenge. Isn't James talking about this right now, um, this many years in the past? You know, this isn't new stuff, um, us. We know certain language and words can be bad, but this isn't new. It's amazing to me like how people try to think of new ways to address language and speech where we're told about how bad it can be right here uh, for us. You know, if you're wondering how to correct your tongue, heed these words that the Lord has given to us. Realize that your tongue and your words are not a small thing that we can just filter or fix maybe. You know, there's something, there's something deeper behind this. Look at the things I, I highlighted. A world, full of un, a world full of unrighteousness, talking about your tongue. It boasts in great things. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. I don't think there's any good way to spin that. Uh, with it, we curse people and, uh, who are made in the likeness of God. From the saved mouth come blessing and cursing. I correlate that to sin. From our one simple part of our body, here's, here's the short list of sin that comes from this. Lying and gossiping. Hatred envy, boastfulness and pride, deception, cursing, tearing people down, slander, and I think there's more and more and more, but this is just a short list. And it doesn't take long for us to think of times where, yep, we've lied, we've gossiped about a friend. Oh, hatred, yeah, we've said things, you know, maybe joking, I hate you, or when we lose a nine square, I hear all the time. Envy, man, I wish I had this or that. Boastfulness and pride. I mean, we just played a game where we, our teams were celebrating. Not that that's bad, but check your heart and, and language, and you can see there's probably some boastfulness there. Deception, that goes along with lying. Cursing, a bunch of four-letter words that usually aren't pretty good, no matter how you use, how you use them. Tearing people down. Insults. Think about the, the things people have said to you that have torn you down or have said to others because you know it gets at them or you know it irks them. Slander kind of goes along with lying and deception as well. And here's the funny thing to me. Our tongue is supposed to act like a filter. You know, that, that's not a touching what we're thinking in our, in, inside of us. And the, the Lord talks about, you know, just sometimes when we think a thought, we're already sinning in our hearts. And our tongue's supposed to be a filter. We, we talk about some people who have no filters, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. But I think for most of us, we can say that we have held back some words sometimes. Because we're, we're, we're choosing to refrain from going down that path or we're, we're filtering what we say, but it doesn't work all the time if, if we're honest. Uh, you know, there's something deeper that must be addressed. Um, and this is kind of, if I kind of came up with a, a, a quote to think about maybe the rest of the night, it's this. If not given to God and made mature by God, our words that we speak will continue to steer us away from the Lord and mimic more of a t- our tainted world. You know what's really funny for me, or, or one of the things I, I kind of come to, or why I like speaking about this topic, is 
in terms of my own life, I had a potty mouth, like your age. Before, before, I, before I knew Christ, before I um, really was steered toward following Jesus, oh my goodness, my, my, I had a potty mouth, which might be hard to believe for some of you now because I, work, I, teach, I, I teach. I'm in a position where if I said those things, I would probably wouldn't have my job anymore. Um, but I could control it. I could you know, say the right things around the right people. Um, but another thing that went along with it, I was a very angry child. And um, there are things I still kind of deal with from that anger, but anger and words kind of go hand in hand, I would say there. Oh, in my life right now, obviously uh, less of a potty mouth, thankfully. But one kind of weird thing that happened to me is students remembering things that I said that I can't even remember that I said. You know, and is that a reflection of how much I actually care about what I say or when I'm saying it? Or, you know, how quick am I to forget the words I've said because either A, it doesn't really matter to me or um, I lost my spot. either it doesn't matter to me or B, not considering that it will matter to them and can affect them from days to come. You know, I, 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 I don't fight with students, but I struggle with students coming to me and saying, hey, Mr. Hantag, don't you remember that you said this, that we get an extension on this homework? I'm like, no. Usually I'm pretty good about remembering things like that, but there have been times with students where months later, there's something I said to them in class, and they didn't address it right then and there, and they've, they've held on to it for a long time, and then many months later they say, hey, Mr. Hantag, when you said this, it, it really hurt me. It's like, I didn't know that. You know, I, I can't read minds. I, I, maybe I can read your body language, but I, I maybe said it as a small sort of thing, maybe as a joke, but obviously it affected them, and they didn't let me know. And once again, it's, there's the power of just some simple things I, I say that I have to watch and consider as I interact with people and you guys that will eventually have me. Or the thing about like this, I write a lot of re letters of reference for, for students going to college or trying to get a job. And I'm very careful with my language in those because I want to build them up and, and encourage them and make them seem, you know, um, better, not better than they ought, but certainly raised up. And I'm very careful with my language there, but, but those are just in those letters of reference I should be in all, in all things. You know, here's the big fallen condition, going back to Genesis, the sin that we have um, that this text is trying to address. We use our words to manipulate others, whether we're making them feel bad about themselves and ourselves feel higher than we are, and our words can also, as a contradiction of the tongue, shows us that we want the best of both worlds. We love praising God. We, well, hopefully you do. We love being able to say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, 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 I have this certain image about myself or about my family. We love having the access to God, but we like talking to him in our own, using our own words, our own language, our own communication methods. And to go along with that, we love to choose to love, who to love and who to uplift. You know, it's easy to love my best friend because he's my best friend. It's harder to love the, the kid who picks on me because, well, he picks on me. Or maybe those roles are reversed if, if someone else is describing you in that way. Yeah, it's easy to love my best friend because I'm my best friend, but... I'm not going to say nice things to people who are not nice to me. And is that what the verses are trying to get at? Well, of course not. It's, it's we're all in God's likeness, and that's everybody. So the tongue, simply put, is bad. There's no good ways to spin being a deadly poison, and it doesn't sound too encouraging. It will be encouraging, but at this point, maybe, maybe not so much. Uh, let's see. Now, how about this way? So, our tongue can be bad, and it, it's described in, James is very specific in picking these words, really painting no picture that's good. It's something that can't be, be tamed by ourselves or, or wrangled by ourselves like we've done with the animals. The, the, the other thing I, I kind of bring to, though, is this. You know, how can it get so bad? You know, as we expand our language, going back from, like, that preschooler example to the expansive language you have now as a middle schooler, eighth grader, sixth grader, whatever you are, yeah, what's, what's uh, relevant to our lives that make it bad? Well, think about this. What's your intake? What are the words that you're consuming that eventually will also come out? What goes in sometimes comes out verbatim. So how about this? Your Spotify playlist. And yes, I'm even talking about the clean versions of songs. You know what words are saying when they bleep it out. You know what words are saying when they, when they skip a beat or whatever because you've heard the song plenty of times. Uh, how about this one? Uh, the people you follow on all platforms of social media. You know, the people who um, obviously talk a certain way, use certain language, 
or maybe just the negativity people post and how negative people kind of breed negative people and that's just negative overall. Or think about this. We love a good roast. Have you guys ever seen Wendy's Twitter account? Oh, I mean, it's, it's hilarious. And I'll be honest, yeah, it, it is. But you know, we, maybe even a mean tweet. But when we go further and further down that hole, that's what starts coming out of our own mouth. And we actually mean it, not as a joke anymore. Or you might be joking with a friend, but how do you know that they're accepting it as a joke as well? Another one, what do you like to be in, entertained by? What do you consume in your entertainment? You know, what's your favorite quote from your favorite movie or your favorite artist? What's your favorite line in something that, you know, oh, my favorite line is this one when my parents aren't around because it's really funny to me, but it uses certain language for certain situations. Or maybe it's this, what about the people that you're around and are surrounded by? You know, do you start to talk like them but only around them? And then the more and more starts to slip out because it becomes part of your language and your vocabulary. Think about Ralphie from A Christmas Story. It was his dad that was the one who's saying, oh, fudge, all the time. And then it just kind of slipped out. He was talking to his dad in the time, but that's not even the, the best context for that. Or how about this? When people are speaking to you in a certain way that you don't appreciate, maybe they're using language that's offensive to you, maybe uh, they're insulting you in a way that they don't know about, or maybe they are being intentional about for some reason, but you're choosing not to address it due to lack of boldness, Maybe you don't want to appear weak. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. They do. They absolutely do. And we'll, we'll address that a little bit later tonight. Uh, maybe you don't want to appear as not cool, because these are the, the terms and words everybody else is saying, so i got to join in on that. Maybe you're not prioritizing protecting your heart and avoiding sin. Because when, when you recognize that the words that you speak are the ones that you hear, when you can stop that cycle, you're protecting your heart. And you're protecting from going down a, a, a path of sin. That's what James talks about, being of the tongue being a deadly poison uh, full of restless evil. Remember, there's kind of no good way to spin that. Um, let's see. Going back to the Spotify thing, actually kind of from my own life, and, and this is something that I got super convicted of uh, recently. So Spotify, love Spotify. I probably have 3,300 songs on Spotify. The high playlist you hear, that's a product of John and me. The 900 songs on them, on there, probably about 600 are from me and 300 are from John. But one thing I love about Spotify is that they give you like a, a top tracks of the most recent year, like top 100 tracks you listen to and just listen to over and over and over. And from 2015 to, to now, I've seen a shift in like the things I've listened to repeatedly, not just once, but like repeatedly. You know, I'm not going to start going through the lyrics or going through every single artist, but I've noticed a change, and I, I question, like, man, is that what I want to be doing? Because if I know about the power behind the words you start saying and listening to and then start saying, that can really steer your whole life, like we've seen with the boat, the horse, or how strong your muscles are, the tongue, or your masseter. And that's something I got really convicted on, and you know, for those that you, you use Spotify, take a look and, and, and see if that's kind of true for you. Now, I think the, the bigger thing that, that, that comes, or, or one of the other things that really makes us worse, is the contradictive part. I'm going to re, reread 9 through 12 now from, from James. So to go along with how bad it is or, or how untamed our tongue is, here's, here's the thing that makes it worse to me. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So the thing that, that kind of makes us all worse is, you know, our tongue is this bad, and yet we try to act Christian. Or our tongue is this bad, and yet we know we need to pray the right prayers and say the right things around our parents, around our pastors, here at Hype, or whatever. And that contradiction is something God does not want, really. That's, that's sin. It's something that's, that's hard to, to grasp and, and wrestle with. 
Now, I, I kind of bring it back to this point. We want the power of choosing who to say what to, who to build up and who to tear down, who to encourage and who, who to give kind of verbal scars to. Now, I, I bring up this phrase of the verbal scar because this is the power of, of our words and our, and our language. How many of you actually have a, a physical scar on you? Who has one that's kind of seeable from not, you know, you don't have to take any clothes off or anything. Does anyone have one that's seeable right now? Would you mind telling us where it is? Oh, yeah, I see it. Can you, would you mind telling us where it's from? Okay. Do you still enjoy monkey bars? Not really. Brain, do you have one? Okay, technically. What, uh, would you mind saying where it's from? Okay. Have you tried that trick or whatever you're doing again and successful? Okay. Maybe one more? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sounds like there's a story behind it. Is there, is there a story? So camera has a bigger scar. All right. Shh. Okay. So do you jump on Cameron's back anymore? Oh, no, of course not. You, and you, you avoid all corners of the walls, right? A nail. Get a tetanus shot. One more. You, you have your hand up? Yeah. Shh, shh. You play hockey? Do I love hockey. Like, like wait, 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 wait. Ice hockey or roller hockey? Whoo! That's bad. So do you still play hockey? Awesome. Because hockey players are probably the toughest people I know. But you hope your glove stays on all the time, right? All right, so here's the point I'm making. Shh, shh. Here's the point I'm making. The scars that we get from actual things, we, we tend to try to avoid those things. I have one that's on this part of my leg where it was my first day moving to Peoria. We stayed in a hotel before we moved to our house. My brother and I were sharing uh, the uh, pull-out bed couch thing. I go off the side, and there's so many, like, nuts and bolts and screws sticking out. And first day of living in Peoria like, well, welcome to Peoria. Um, now, that doesn't mean I completely avoid bed couches anymore, but I won't even pull out the, 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 the bed part of it. I'll just sleep on the couch now because I don't want to scar myself in that way. Now, those are, those are physical things, and we have those physical reminders about them. But with our words, I think that we also have some verbal scars that are still with us. You know, call them trigger words, call them whatever you want, but I think there's certain insults we have received before that we don't play off as just a simple joke or a small thing because it's insulted us. It's been around us our entire life. It's been something repeated, whether from your friend group, whether from authority figures, whether even from yourself telling yourself lies and, and deceits. Um, and I think there's a number of verbal scars out here right now that it, it's hard to come to terms with, and these are all words. These are all things that get said to us, whether genuine or not genuine at the time, whether joking or, or not joking, it just, it hurts because they leave a scar. Our, our words have power behind them and leave, can leave scars like this. And I'm sure we've said things to others that have given them scars, maybe some of the people in this room right now. To kind of visualize this, I, I want to give you guys a chance to, to share some of yours. Um, it'll be a It'll be anonymous, or you can leave it anonymous. I, I, I don't want it to be like, you know, stand up if <laughs> your word is stupid, or stand up if your word is fat, or, or whatever. But here's what I want to do. Uh, Brian and uh, Eric, can I get your hand for a second? What's going to be passed around is a pen and a piece of paper. On this piece of paper, I want you to put, if there is a word or a phrase that comes up that is a verbal scar to you, I just want you to write it down as legible as you can. You do not have to put your name on it. When you're done with your card and your pen, you're going to give it back to one of the leaders. And then we're going to write those words, the things you said on, on this whiteboard here. So you can visually see the power of the words we say and how many scars we've had. So if one comes to mind, if, if one doesn't come to mind for you, awesome. If you don't have any, if you don't think I have any verbal scars or words that really trigger me, that, that's fine. You don't have to write anything. But if you have one that you know when you hear it or when someone says it about you that really grinds your gears or, or gets you upset, then please write it. Yeah, question. Um, you can write multiple. I would say maybe one, at least one main one, but if you have multiple, write multiple. 
it gives us more to put on the board. So yeah, go ahead and take a second to, to do this. <laughs> Guys, do not endlessly click the pens. It ruins their life. I'm serious. The more you click the pens, the less um, long they live. I'm yeah. As funny as it is, seriously, stop. Van would, is, would be mad at you. I don't want Van mad at you. Uh, adult leaders. Adult leaders, as, as students, bring them up. Bring them up here. And return your pen back to the, to the bin. Eric, how good is your handwriting? Okay, Bryant. Is it bad? Is it a bad word? Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. I can leave it out. Yeah, sure. Uh, can you put that don't write on board? Okay. And also, guys, if your word is a bad word, shh. Middle school, let me listen. 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 If your word is a quote-unquote bad word, this is a safe, safe space to write it. Okay? This is, this is the point I'm trying to make. Okay? If it is a bad word, you don't feel comfortable, right? You don't have to, but if it's something bad and, and it, it paints a full picture, then, then write it, okay? Uh, Bryant, can you hear me? No, no, that's fine. I mean, y yes, I, I think it's a bad word, but, like, no, that's fine. How good is your handwriting? Would you mind writing some of these on the board as, as I'm still going? On the other side. Yes, yeah, give me the paper. That's fine. On the other side. On the other side. Yep. We'll flip it around later. Hey, Cade. Cade. That's fine. Yeah. Alrighty, any other pens or papers out there? Say, if one doesn't come to you now, that's fine. You can hold on to things. Alrighty, here's what's going to be happening. Shh. Here's what's going to be happening. Well, I'm going to keep presenting a little bit, but Bryant is going to be writing these terms on the other side, and we'll flip to the other side at some point. So you can see like the, the scope. You can see the, the, um, the wide variety of, of things that are up there that maybe you see a word up there and you're like, yep, I, I should have put that one too. Or you see a word up there and you're like, man, I've, that's every other word I say at times. So Brian will be doing that and after some time we'll, we'll check in on him. Hey, Kate, would you mind also helping him since there's a lot? And obviously you don't have to, you don't have to repeat things. Rise as legibly as you can. As legibly as you can. You're fine. Alrighty. So for me, before I, before I change points, I want to talk about, you can leave that for now. Guys, here's my verbal scar. So before I shift gears a bit, and before we see yours, my verbal scar has always been not good enough. Now that, that's very broad, that's very vague, but it, it's come up a lot of different times. For me, it's not good enough in school. It's not good enough in relationships. It's not good enough in sports. So, for example, not good enough in school, which may seem surprising because you know, I'm a teacher now, and it's funny how those things work out. Um, it might be surprising to some because a, a common thing I, I hear is, is about my intelligence, and, and wisdom is actually a word that's been a common one for, for my life. Um, but not good enough in school. So my brother was a like a book-smart, brainiac-type person. And not that I ever had the pressure to be him, but that's always just something that kind of grinded at me. In addition, and here's the bigger reason, so I had an eye disorder when I was mm, maybe preschool. I mean, maybe since birth, who knew, knows? It was called, uh, I believe, diversion disorder, where basically my eyes 
read at, they moved at two different speeds when I was reading. And also, they would not focus on the same point. So picture this. If you're reading a book, both your eyes focus on the same point, and you just read the words, and you go down. When I would read a sentence, my left eye would read the first part of the sentence. My right eye would then pick up and read the second part of the sentence. But they also read at two different speeds, so I would always reread the same lines and then, like, and then skip lines. And it, my reading level was so bad and so low where I needed to get additional, I wouldn't call them maybe special ed classes, but I had to get additional reading classes from... K through fourth grade uh, to kind of correct that and bring me up to a reading level that was appropriate enough for, for my age. And going to those classes at times was hard because I felt like I was not good enough to be with the other kids. And I was told that at times from other kids and maybe some teachers. Not that they meant it to be bad, but I interpreted it as that's a scar for me. Not good enough for relationships. I mean, from friendships to uh, like romantic ones that, I, that I've had, it, that happens too, where you're not you're not meeting this need or you're not being a good friend and you're just not good enough in that area for not good enough in sports i was obsessed with sports uh it was i wouldn't say it was my life or anything but baseball was one of them from the moment i could walk i was playing baseball and get to high school had a rude awakening of how uh not good of a player i was um i, I was a realist i i wasn't that great of a player when i got to play with everybody else who got to play more competitively but being told you're not good enough or literally not making the team uh, one of the years, that was icing on the cake, and that was a verbal scar for me um, that is still there today at least a little bit. If someone tells me I'm not good enough, yeah, it can be a, it can be a motivation for me to uh, prove them wrong or, or show them that I don't need to be because of I have the Lord in my life, but I'd be lying if I said it doesn't bother me at least a little bit. So still waiting on the guys here. We'll, we'll come back to our thing here in a second. Almost ready back there, so I'll, I'll keep moving on. So the, the last thing I brought up was what really makes us bad is that our language and our tongue is contradictory. With the same mouth we praise the Lord is the same mouth we curse. Okay? With the same mouth we praise and sing our glories to God, it's the same mouth that we curse others. We, we uh, say things unlovingly. We, bring ha- we, say, we spew hatred to other people that you know, are still God's people and that happens. But here's, here's something interesting, though, and, and I kind of thought of this in a different way. So if the tongue is a contradiction to itself, if it's full of evil, and yet we, we praise the Lord, that contradiction is actually almost a good thing. Now, I'm not trying to say that it's contradictory ways is acceptable. I'm not trying to say that you can be a hypocrite or, or you can contradict yourself as a Christian. You guys know what the goal is. The goal is to not be a hypocrite and not say contradictory things about the Lord and, and how we should live. I'm not trying to validate that. But rather, I, I want you to see it from a different angle. If our tongue is so evil and so bad, like the verses say, well, it also talks about how it praises God. So is there a chance for us to praise God and, and say things that God would like? Well, yes. The tongue is contradictory. But here's the thing. We, we got to figure out... How can we just make it about God? we got to figure out how can the words of, of our mouth truly just be good and acceptable in the Lord's eyes or not <laughs> deadly poisons to fellow believers, non-believers, to anybody. Let me say it this way. These verses may not be encouraging to hear and read at first glance, but James is writing them to point us back to Christ. He paints this reality of the tongue not being controllable to show us another area that needs to be given to the Lord. And as a Christian, talking about maturity, as a Christian, the most mature thing that we can do is just that. Give it to God. Find areas of our lives that we need to sacrifice to the Lord and say, God, I'm not good enough in this area. I need to repent in this area. And I need, I need to, to change. Remember, repentance is not just saying, oh, I, I recognize my badness. Repentance is saying, I recognize my badness, and I want to replace it with you and only you. You know, it's not just actually giving our words to Christ. It's actually giving your heart to Christ, and guess what? Your mouth will follow. I think there have been times where, where we probably have held our words. We, we, we have had a filter. 
you know, oh, I'm around these people. I, I can't say these things. And, and, that, and that's good to a point, but that only works for so long, guys. If you truly want to uh, change the words that come out of your mouth, you've got to change. There's got to be a heart change. You know, just trying to change the mouth doesn't change the heart. Changing the heart will change the mouth. I, I promise you that. I was a potty mouth when I was your, about your age. I, I was living in sin because I didn't know Christ. And when I was in high school, I found Christ. And one of the first areas that changed for me <laughs> was that mouth of mine. And that's really what kind of makes this really cool for me. Because when I was in high school, in my youth groups, we got to, um, we got to write every week. There was a different student leader that got to write something about a topic of the Bible, whatever you wanted to. You want to guess what my topic was on? This exactly. These verses. And what's really cool is I found my old paper. Uh, sophomore year of high school, 15-year-old Mr. Hantak found it. And I'm like, well, let's see what I said back then. You know, when I was a lot less wiser and, and like maybe two months of being a Christian at that point. And there's some things I said in there, it's like, that's exactly still true today. Where it, it is still a fight, it is still a battle. I'm going to quote myself a little bit later. Um, and probably the last, that'll probably be my last point for it. But that's what makes this kind of really cool for me and why I kind of picked this topic because it was something that was really relevant then. That was the first area of my life that led to a radical change, a true repentance of my heart, which led to a true repentance of my words. And talk about searing my life in a whole different direction. I became a, a leader. I, I wasn't involved in any sort of church. I wasn't involved in, in any sort of position where I was trying to lead others to Christ. I was being led, and then I got to lead others because I had that heart change first, had the words change second, and then kind of here we are today. You know, I'm still only, man, what? I'm an eight-year-old as a Christian. But the words I'm able to say, the words that I'm able to present and, and think about and reflect on to give messages like this, that came from a heart change, guys. Do I, spill, do, do I spew deadly poisons like the verses say? Yeah, at times I'm sure I do because I'm still a sinner. But recognizing the verse, I'm going to find it one more time in here. Let's see. But it's verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Remember, there's no good way to spin that. There's no good way to spin that. Other than recognizing that no human being can tame it. So what's our only option? Our only option is to give it to God. To change our heart first. To repent of it and replace it with his goodness and his likeness. Because... What you consume is what you spit out. Maybe you guys have heard it this way. Now, I'm not going to say it in the, the way I've heard it more, but crap goes in, crap goes out. I've heard it with a different word there, ironically. But how, 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 true, how, how true it is. We good? Okay, we good. How true it is, though. How relevant to this text it is. And for me, when that repentance came, when that heart change came, all my words, all my language changed. That was the first area of my life that, that I saw radical change in. And because that happened to me, I was able to write about it as a sophomore in high school and can still speak to you about it today from years and years of it. Yes, it, it still is a struggle. It still is a battle. The things I've exposed myself to over, over time, you know, about my Spotify playlist, I'm, I'm telling you, it still is something that, that needs to be addressed and repented of, but... Man, it's something that if you give to God, I'm telling you, I promise you, the mouth will follow. You know, the contradiction, I'm not saying it's good to be a hypocrite and contradict yourself, but if we can focus more on the praising part, that will come more and more and more. But the things we need to consider, first off, how can we address the things that others wrote on the, their paper and what you see on the whiteboard? Here we go. Stupid. I hate you. Retard taunting, or taunting me, fat slash obese, the B word, weak, you're not good enough, that was mine, uh, racial, moron, gay, you're bad, skinny, twig with hair, not good enough, the F word, blondie, and there are many on here that kind of fit in this category, or, or ones that, that like, other than skinny, may have been a different word that was used. 
and I know maybe some of you guys only wrote one, but I'm guessing there's multiple up here that you can relate to and, and relate with up here. So how do we address this? How do we fight our scars? How do we prevent from giving other scars to other people? To me, the quickest way to do it is having encouragement verses to go or to save from memory. Here are some of my, uh, some of my verses I go to. So one story I go to is the, the two thieves on the cross when Jesus is going to be crucified. One of the thieves says this, Jesus, remember me when you come, in, when you come into your kingdom. J- Jesus then says, truly I say to you, today, will be the, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, that's taking one small part of a bigger story. But remind myself of that, of if, I, if I'm experiencing some sort of hatred or, or speech coming along my way, it's giving me these sort of scars. If I can remember that I will be with Jesus in paradise at some point, man, how, how little are those words now to me? Another one, and this is my favorite part of the Bible, is the Beatitudes, um, Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, the introduction to it. Jesus repeatedly says, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, blessed are these people. And there's always at least one, if not multiple, of those people that I can relate to and say, man, I am blessed. I am blessed when I am in poor spirit. I am blessed when I am meek. I am blessed for those who search for righteousness sake because do I feel like I'm doing that? Yes, of course. if, If I'm truly a believer, then that's what I thirst for, and I feel blessed in that. Uh, Romans 8, a section of that is the more than conquerors verses. Um, the last part of it, it, it lists off neither this nor that, this nor that, this nor that will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For us, neither this word nor that word, nor this word nor that word, nor this word nor that word, or these words or any words can be able to separate you from God's love and how God wants to speak to you. Now, that's more focusing on us with our words. Let's flip the, let's flip the roles. If you're the person who's saying these things, whether you, you play off as a joke or there's some context behind it or whatever, don't you recognize that those who are around you, we're, we have these scars with us? So how can we address that? Well, encourage one another when you see someone that needs it. Remind others of the love and validation that, that Christ has given them. I think that's the quickest way to fix that. Now, this other side of it. So I talked about intake. How can we address our intake and the uh, eventual things that come out of our mouth? Because what goes in comes out eventually. Well, first off, I've said already, repent. Seek guidance from the Lord and those around you about what things have been affecting you. Your parents would be the first person to say the things that they don't want you to watch and, and don't want you to hear. And, you know, I, I wish you played this less or I wish you hung around these people less. And, and maybe... You know, I, I would say your parents are wise many, many times and have your back and, and, and want you to, to seek after God. Then also going straight to the Lord. It's, it's repentance. It's, it's not just addressing the badness and not doing anything else. It's, it's a heart change. It's addressing the badness and replacing with God's goodness. Or said this way, I know John is saying this to the high schoolers, have Jesus change your heart and your mouth will follow. It's, it's so much harder just to try to watch the words you say and try to act like a filter, because that filter will break, and that filter will leak. The other thing we can do, as far as our intake, is go back to these encouragement verses, add to it more, extend, extend that list of verses that you like to go to, and feel comfortable with, and, and feel built up in, and then put that into practice. Actually encourage people with these said verses. This video, I think I'll show right after my kind of closing remark, but full picture. These words that have harmed you, these words that you have used to harm others, it shows, James is right about, the tongue is a deadly poison. It shows that such a small thing, if I heard someone say some of these things, I it's easy for me to judge and discern what type of life you live or how close to God you are. That shows so much of how Jesus is the only thing that can change our heart in this matter. Jesus is the only thing. We, we can't handle our own tongue. We have to give it to him. Here's how I put it as a sophomore. Honestly, this is part of my paper that I wrote. This is the concluding part. Honestly, I wouldn't like to think of my tongue as a fire or restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue can be used for so much greater 
spreading the word of love onto people, praising the Lord, or just not making the comment about someone's appearance. We bench press, we run, we do sit-ups, we do push-ups and squats to make our muscles stronger, but really it is the tongue that needs to be toned. Good thing we can pick up a handy tool that is filled with truth uh, to help tame the tongue. As far as I know, that thing, the Bible, contains plenty of reps that we can put into practice uh, so that we can speak about the good news and tell people how blessed you are to have them as a brother and sister in this world and in Christ every single day. Going back to the idea about it being a muscle, you work out all your other muscles. If your tongue is a muscle as well, you got to get some reps in so that what's coming out is actually good. And putting the best reps in is going to be with this, not any other source. If we can start changing our language, if we can start changing our hearts, our language will follow. And to me, I, I kind of wish this could be our reality. Now, I'm not going to show this full video. I, I'm going to show maybe the first two minutes. You probably will say it's a little cheesy. Um, it's, I'm not sure, I can't remember if, if this comes from a, like a Christian group or if it's just supposed to be like an kind of encouraging thing. But I love the name of the video it's, it, and how it's validation. Because I think that's what Christ does for us is that he validates us when we give our life to him and we turn our hearts in. Is that he gives us validation and no condemnation. Some, some of those encouraging verses. But you want to talk about encouragement and changing language and, and seeing no more verbal scars in people? Well, consider this. Thanks for the patience, guys. Here's the point I'm trying to make. I know it was a little cheesy, and, you know, it's weird to say, hey, you have really nice cheekbones. Um, or it could be weird, I guess. If they do, then say it. Um, here's the point I'm trying to make. Look how infectious that was. That, the, the, the point of it is it wasn't the DMV where people don't smile. It actually, that comes up later in the video where they're at a DMV. He gets a job at a DMV. He's taking pictures, and people are smiling, and, and you know, it's very encouraging, and hunky-dory, I guess you could call it like that. I, I, I know it seems kind of corny, but think about this. Love that picture. Validated. You know, those people come in kind of not believing themselves. Those people come in with their, maybe their scars, and then all it takes is some sort of encouragement to, to change that at least a little bit, and it becomes infectious. For me, th thinking about it this way, that's what Christ offers you. Christ offers you language that is good and whole. Christ offers you heart change so that you can become like that guy where you can then start validating others and not giving them things like this that definitely are not what we're supposed to be doing. Yes, the, 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 the tongue is a deadly poison and is a restless evil as James describes. That's, that's not untrue. But the fact that it's contradictory, the fact that it's, the fact that we can praise the Lord gives us hope that the Lord will continue to change us to do that more and do this less. All right, guys, I'm going to pray for us to leave or uh, for us to head out, but consider this. Consider your heart over this next week and the things you intake and the things that affect what comes out of you. Father God, I thank you for uh, this group. I thank you for this church that gives me this opportunity to speak and present. And God, I always, I'm always thankful that I'm allowed to go over a little bit every week I speak, and I, I pray uh, that in the future... I can value people's time a little bit more and a little bit better. God, I pray that uh, you can tame our tongue, not by just taming our mouth first, but our heart first, Lord.
God, I pray that we can recognize that this is an area that we need to give to you because we can't handle it. We can't, we can't just put a filter on it. We can't think that that's the fix. We can't think that just addressing our vocabulary is the fix. What we have to address is our heart. And how we have to address it is by going to you and no other means. God, I pray that we can help one another in this. I pray that the words that we're saying are uplifting and encouraging. I pray that the words that we're saying, if we are around somebody, that they can recognize us as a Christian and how we value Christ more than anything. God, if that's not our reality, if from being around somebody and, and they saying about us, then that's the, the thing we need to address, starting with our heart and repenting and going back to you. Lord, as we go out this week, let's consider the words we choose to say. Let's consider how we can tame our tongue. Let's rely on you and all those things. God, we love you so much. We pray this all in your name. Amen.